0: I love a good action movie. I mean more accurately, I love any action movie. Have you ever seen like the trailer on Netflix for a movie and it's going to be an epically bad plot like it's poorly written, you already know what's going to happen, like you saw the whole movie in the trailer and you're like, "Who is the target audience for this movie?" I am the target audience for that movie. I love all action movies. As long as it has something blowing up, I'm good to go. Now. One uh, version of action movies is superhero movies, and there have been a lot of them recently, and sometimes they make a whole lot of money, I mean, multi-billion dollars, right? And still, you, you'll read some critic or you'll hear some you know, critical friend say something, and it's hilarious to me, like, here's the phrase that they say, like, when it comes to these, these movies, they say, these movies are not very realistic. Correct. Really? Like a movie about a person who flies and has a cape is not realistic. Or a movie that has someone turning green when they get mad is not realistic. Why wasn't it red? I don't know. Uh, I mean, a movie that has someone getting bitten by a spider and they get superpowers instead of a big old huge rash is not realistic. Of course they aren't realistic. That's why we like them. We like them because they're not particularly realistic. So why is it that these movies are so popular? Even after like, what are we on? 79 Marvel movies or whatever? See, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons why we keep going back for him, but one reason that keeps coming to mind is we like to think ourselves the superhero. Now, I have a 10-year-old son, Asher, and it's not uncommon to see him playing in some variety the superhero, and it depends on what franchise he picks. Like, he's the Jedi defeating the Empire, or he's Superman fighting Lex Luthor, or he's a Transformer, whatever they fight, or he's the Hulk smashing the enemy. And even when he's feeling ornery and he chooses to be the villain, like, he still chooses somebody who is super skilled, incredibly smart, you know, incredibly strong. See, listen, in real life, I think we want to be strong, right? We want to be the hero of our story. And maybe that means physically for you, maybe you're going to the gym and getting jacked and that's awesome, but maybe it means something else. See, we want to be strong. We want to be a strong worker, maybe. You know, somebody who is reliable, trustworthy. We want to be a strong family member. You know, we want to be the person that people are pleased with. Or we want to be strong in relationship. Or we want to be strong financially, or we want to have these certain things that we're in control of, and we're able to be strong. We want to be strong relationally, socially, spiritually, financially, mentally, intellectually, all sorts of different things. But I also maybe deep down, not only do we want to be strong, but we also hate being weak. Those are two different things. See, we don't want to be known as the person who can't follow through, We don't want to be known as the person who is always constantly asking for help. You know, we don't want to be known as the person who can't hold their own. I mean, I have a conversation regularly with people and it says, you know, somebody is in a situation, a bad situation, and they say, I'm usually the one helping somebody else. I'm not the one who asks for help. And we say that like it's a really bad thing to ask somebody for help. Like we should be strong. We should be able to do it on our own. See, we hate being weak. We hate showing our vulnerability. We hate telling people where we fall short, but we also wanna be strong. And these things kind of go back and forth. And deep down, many of us struggle in both of these areas or one of these areas. We wanna be strong, but maybe just as much we hate being weak. Now this week is the last week of our series in the book of Judges we've been calling Not So Superheroes. And today we're going to talk about somebody, I think, that illustrates this back and forth, this battle between good and bad or, you know, strength and weakness. And the cool thing is today we're going to talk about somebody in the Bible who actually kind of had a superpower. He might be the most famous judge in the book of Judges. His name is Samson. Now, the story of Samson is kind of towards the end of the book of Judges. It kind of culminates you know, one of the last judges. So we're gonna read this story in the Ridge Reading Challenge this week. I'd encourage you if you're reading along, see if you can spot what we're talking about today, you know, some of the things that we're talking about. But when I read the story of Samson, it kind of reads like a comic book to me. Like every good superhero has an origin story, right? Well, Samson has an origin story too in the Bible. Samson was born to a man named Manoah, And Manoah had a wife who was unable to have children and an angel appeared to them and told them, okay, Samson is on his way, but they should never cut his hair. That's a big deal in Samson's story. And that Samson should be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Well, what's a Nazarite? That's an important piece to the story. That's a fair question. So Nazarite means set apart just means they're set apart for God. There's a vow that they would take as parents. And then eventually when Samson was old enough, he would take this vow to be set apart for God, to focus only on God. There are a couple of rules though that came along with the vow. This is what they're saying. This is how you know somebody was serious about being a Nazarite. So here are the rules. No wine, really no wine, no grape juice. Don't even get touched. You know, don't get close to it. No haircuts and then no contact with dead bodies. And some of you are like, I mean, you, have, you, you lost me at no wine maybe, but also like no contact with dead bodies. Some of us would be like, that's not a problem. Like, is that a problem that we're, we're interacting with a lot of dead bodies? I don't know. Like, but Samson was born and he took this vow to be a Nazarite, to be set apart. And he was dedicated to God. And then he grows up and his story kind of starts. and That's where we're picking up the story. So this is what happened. One day, Samson's living his life, and he sees a Philistine woman. You know, this woman catches his eye, and he's like, I want to marry her, even though she wasn't an Israelite. See, that's a big no-no. So I just want to recap just for a second to make sure we understand why that's a big deal. At the beginning of the book of Judges, it's really clear that God says to God's people, the Israelites, you got to get rid of all of these people out of this land because they're going to corrupt you. You can't follow their gods. You can't marry any of them. You can't interact with them. They got to get out of here. And so for, for a person who set apart for God to do this is a, is a pretty big deal. And so Samson is like, I like her. I want her. And Samson's dad is like, dude, find somebody that God would approve of which proves to you that being a dad is pretty similar back then as it is now. Like that's a thing that I could hear somebody say right now, like, dude, like, come on, man, nobody's good enough for my son. I don't know. But this is what Samson literally says. This is in the Bible. This is real. This is what he says. This is what he says when he sees this woman. Get her for me. She looks good to me. Don't say that. If you, if you needed a clue on like where Samson's heart is, like what kind of dude Samson is, here it is. This is caveman stuff, right? Like this is ridiculous. Now, so he says, okay, we're gonna go get her. So they're on their way. The fa- you know, family is on their way to see if Samson could marry this girl. And a lion attacked Samson. God's spirit came over Samson and then Samson took and ripped the lion's jaws in half, kind of like that with his bare hands. That is epic, that superhero stuff, that's weird, right? And the family kind of keeps going and his mom and dad didn't know about the whole lion thing, which this isn't the point at all, but this just boggles my mind because if I kill a lion with my bare hands, I'm Instagramming that right away right? It's like, hashtag lion kill, like whatever. I mean, I'm all over that. Everyone would know. It'd be on the news. It would be everywhere. But his mom and dad didn't know. And so Samson kind of went back. They made the arrangements. They went back for the wedding and he saw the carcass of the lion, this dead lion. And he saw bees had made some honey in this dead carcass. So he scooped some up and he gave some to his parents which was a no-no, like he touched the dead body. He was all up in that. I mean, he's breaking vows left and right. And while the wedding was getting arranged, Samson decided to throw a seven-day rager party, you know, like you do. And Samson invited all these Philistine guys to the parties. He's taken their girl, by the way, He's taking the most beautiful girl like in their village. And he's like, hey, why don't you come to this party? And But when you come to the party, I'm gonna tell you a riddle just to mock you. If you solve it, I'll give you 30 beautiful robes, like the nicest gear that you can find. And, but if you don't solve it, you have to pay me. And I'm gonna take your girl. Like, and they're like, I don't like you. And this is, this is the riddle. You know the answer to the riddle already. This is the riddle. This is what it says. Out of one... Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And the answer is lion and honey. And they didn't know the answer because of course they didn't know the answer. How could you know the answer to this riddle? This isn't a riddle. This is just being a jerk. It'd be like me saying, what did I have for dinner seven days ago? I don't even remember. Like, this is ridiculous. They couldn't figure it out and they're angry and Samson is taunting them. He's not treating them well. So these guys, these Philistines go ask Samson's fiance, his to-be wife, and she didn't know the answer either, but they decided, okay, let's figure out the answer. So this is what happened. She cried every time she was with Samson until Samson broke down and told her. I'm gonna say that again. She cried, no, she nagged, Every time she was with Samson and nagging works. That is not the moral of the story, but it is true, right? And so she found out the answer to the riddle. And so she told these guys and then the guys go right to Samson. They're like, we know the answer. And Samson knows exactly what happened because the only person he has told, his parents didn't even know. The only person he has told is his fiance. And he says something that no living person should ever say. Okay, that's the warning. But this is the kind of dude that he is. Check this out. Oh, this is such a fun verse. If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle, is a thing that a human being said. And then he went and he killed 30 dudes. That's how he responded. He went and killed other people and took their robes, all bloody and nasty and tattered, and gave them to these Philistine guys. So he's so mad, he kills these 30 guys and he doesn't get married and he goes home to mommy and daddy. And this is only like the first little bit of his story. There's so much to his story. We're not gonna cover all of it, but it's got like foxes running through fields with fire and like all sorts of cool stuff. But I wanna stop here and I wanna point something out to you. See, Because Samson is this strong guy, right? Samson is this guy who can rip lion's jaws apart with his bare hands, He can kill 30 dudes like it was absolutely nothing. But he was a not-so-superhero. Here's what I mean. See, Samson was a strong person made weak. Think about his story. See, Samson was set apart for God. And he sees a woman he wants, and he's like, Daddy, I want her. And he kills a lion, and then he takes the honey out of it, breaking his vow, and he doesn't really care. He gives this riddle for no reason just to taunt people. He gives the answer because he couldn't handle the woman who he said, I want her crying. He killed 30 dudes to pay his debt. See, Samson was a strong person when it came to physical strength, but he was a pretty morally weak person. And these three attitudes, I think, are really prevalent in his story this strong man that's a not-so-superhero. So So here are the three attitudes that I'm talking about. This is in his life, maybe it's in our life too. Check this out. He says, I need, and he says, I deserve, and he says, I control. I need the woman, I want the woman, I deserve the woman, gimme, 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 daddy. That's basically what he did. I need the honey, I want the honey, I deserve the honey, I control the outcome. I don't care about my vows. Who cares about what I've promised to do? Have you ever been in a situation that you say these types of things? Now, we, I mean, of course, we, we say I'm much smoother and much nicer than this, but like, hey, I deserve this. You know, you do you, boo. You live your life. You live your truth. See, I need, I deserve, I control. We say this Constantly. We act like we need all sorts of stuff we don't. We act like we deserve all sorts of stuff we don't. We act like we control our entire lives and your entire life and everyone's entire life like we're the puppet master. Over and over and over again, this happens in Samson's story. Samson is in this sin spiral that we've been talking about. And he's in the sin part of the spiral. And right now he is saying, look, I'm gonna let my lust, that's I need, I'm going to let my entitlement, that's I deserve, and I'm going to let my pride, that's I control, lead me. I don't really care about God's standard at all. And what we've talked about, like I said, is only just a little part of his story, and things continue to go like this. And he does some epic stuff, and he defeats his enemies, and he's a thorn in their side, and he makes mind bogglingly bad decisions. And the I need, I deserve, I control keeps coming back over and over and over and over again. Can you relate? Because that's what happens in our lives too. Now, the last story for Samson was a woman, surprise, surprise, named Delilah. Maybe you've heard that name before. And she was paid to seduce Samson and find out how to defeat him. See, his enemies were so annoyed with his mouth and so annoyed with how like angry he was and terrible he was and he just did stuff that just didn't make any sense to them and so they're, they're done with him. We gotta get rid of this guy. But they didn't know how and he was too strong for him. So they sent Delilah and eventually she broke him down. You know, same story, different day. And he told her, okay, well, here's the deal really. If I cut my hair, my strength is gone. And that's, you know, a little bit of Superman kryptonite vibe, you know, there. But she tells the Philistines, the Philistines capture him. The the hair is cut. They tie him up. They gouge out his eyes so he can't see. And in the comic books, what happens here? You know, somebody comes saves you know, Samson, you know, like the Justice League or, you know, Avengers come swoop in or whatever, you know, Captain America shows up and like, we we'll get you Philistines or whatever, you know, or like he gets his vision back. None of that happens. So this is what he does. He's there. He's captive. He's lost his eyes. And this is the end of Samson's story he prayed to God and his hair grew back. And this is the end. Now, when we read this, I think we think him a superhero again. And he did have faith. He did pray to God. However, there's more to it. I think you can see the, I need, I deserve, I control if you're really paying attention. So check this out. This is the end of Samson's story. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord. So that's respectful. That's good. Remember me again. Remember me? Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. See, it's all about it's all about him. His entire life is all about him. Samson's like, it's about my strength, it's about me. Remember me, I need, I need, I need. Well, let's keep going, what else happens? Well, with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Not for being against you, God. It's really nothing about you, God, it's about me. They did something to me and I deserve the right to control my destiny. I deserve the right to get them. They did something to me and I deserve the right. Come on, I control this. He kept going though. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines because he was taking them out. He didn't care. I'm in control. This is gonna be the end of the story. And this is what happened. See, God did give him the strength. And then this is what happened. The temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime, which is a lot of people, by the way, the end End of story. Not a particularly uplifting story, huh? We act like it is, but, but it's really not. And in the book of Judges, after Samson's story, there are a few other things that happened, but it really ends with this. This is kind of the last verse in the book of Judges. Judges twenty-one twenty-five. this is what it says. In those days, Israel had no king, no leadership, no one to tell them what to do. And this is, this is it. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now when I was a little kid I grew up on versions of stories like Samson. But those versions that I was told when I was a little kid were a little different. They definitely didn't include all like the marriage and seduction language. They didn't include the brutality. But also Samson was kind of presented like a superhero with super strength, like Hercules. But as I read it now his his superpower wasn't his strength. I think his superpower was his lust and his entitlement and his pride. And as a little kid, I wanted to have the superpower. I wanted to be like Hulk so I could smash my enemies. I wanted to be like Samson so I could crush them and have some epic story to go along with it. But I realized as a little kid that I was weak and I was nothing like Samson. And now as adult, I realize that I'm more like Samson than I really want to be. Because I need, and I deserve, and I control I have lust, entitlement, and pride. Can you relate? See, we want to be strong, but like Samson, we're actually pretty weak. See, we struggle, but we run after the wrong things we make mistakes or we use our lives and we don't know what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. We want to be strong, but we're weak. And if I'm being honest, it's not as simple as maybe I thought it was in the comic books when I was growing up. So we get it wrong. See, we want so desperately to be in control and to be strong But we forget God is in control of the story. He's the author of the story. And Samson was a strong person made weak because he kept forgetting what he was set apart to do. He was God's the whole time. He just kept doing it on his own. See, God doesn't need us to be the strong person. He doesn't need us to have it all together. He doesn't need us to be a superhero Actually this is this is more what God wants see God wants us to be a weak person made strong not a strong person who is weak and this is actually one of the main themes in the book of judges We've seen it over and over and over again. See the sin spiral. And it's like, okay, we turn away from God and we're gonna do it on our own. And then other forces come in and they oppress the people of Israel. And then they're like, okay, God, I guess we need a little bit of help. And he sends some help. He's been with them the whole time. He's wanting to help them the whole time. And he sends a judge. Sometimes they do the right thing. Sometimes they do the wrong thing, but they fight this other you know, empire, evil people. And then all of a sudden there's peace for a period of time. But the reality is over and over and over again. It's the, I need, I deserve, I control Spiral. And people forget the God part of things. We forget the God part of things. And God doesn't need us to be strong. It's not wrong to be strong. It's wrong to be strong without him. He doesn't need us to figure it out. He doesn't need us for, to do the things for him. So think about the things we're talking about with Samson. He's like, I need, right? What do you actually need? Maybe we'd say food, water, water. My daughter, Eliza, would probably say pizza. But do you need a spouse? Do you need a job? Do you need people to like you? Do you need the money? Like, what do we act like we need? A lot. But spiritually, we have what we need. And it's already been provided for us. See, here's what I need. This is the reality. This is true. See, I need Jesus, and that's really about it. And that doesn't mean I live that perfectly. Hear me, I do this wrong all the time. I replace Jesus with all sorts of things that I think that I need. But this is what I need, spiritually. This is what I need. See, without Jesus, I'm Samson. Maybe I can do a few things in my own strength, but at the end, I'm blind and I'm captive and I'm in a pretty tough spot. It doesn't end well without Jesus. It doesn't end well for Samson. See, I need Jesus and I don't deserve all the things that I think that I deserve. I don't deserve the help. I don't deserve the safety. I don't deserve the comfort. I don't deserve the security. I don't deserve my life to look like this. I don't deserve my home to look like this. I don't deserve my church to look like this. That's not what it's about. For Samson, he thought he deserved all sorts of stuff. I deserve the respect. I deserve the women. I deserve to be treated how I want. Here's what I deserve Here's, here's the reality of it. See, I deserve the cross. That's what I deserve. See, I fall short of the standard that God has put before me. I sin, I make mistakes, and I deserve to be punished for that. To fall short is what I am and what I do. But Jesus came, and if anyone has the right to be a superhero, it's Jesus. But he doesn't claim it like that. Jesus came because of his love for us and climbed up on the cross willingly because of our weakness and our sin. We couldn't do it. We're not strong enough to do it. But Jesus took what we deserve. And not only did he willingly climb up on the cross, but that's why I believe he willingly walked out of that grave too. See, I need Jesus because I deserve the cross and I am so weak, but God is so strong. And I think that I'm in control. I think I have it figured out. And then all of a sudden I feel like I don't and it's out of control and I don't know what to do. See, see, here's what I control. I control nothing apart from God. Somebody needs to hear me say this. You are not in control how's that feel? You are not in control. I am not in control. We are not in control in the way that we act like we are in control. You don't need superpowers. You don't need superpowers because the most powerful being in the universe loves you and wants what's best for you. You don't need superpowers and it might not always turn out the way we want, but the most intelligent being in the universe has things figured out and has a plan and is writing your story. And you don't need superpowers because even though life might be difficult to navigate, the most trustworthy being in the universe is in your corner. See, God wants us to be a weak person made strong because he is our strength. We can rely on him. He's the one in control. We're not. And when we finally let that go, all of a sudden there is hope and there is joy and there is peace that is beyond what we can understand. Now, I don't know what battles you're fighting in your life. I don't know if you feel weak or if you feel strong. Maybe you're somewhere in between. See, what I do know is if you haven't accepted Jesus, you need to. I believe that in my heart of hearts. See, our need for Jesus is beyond our need for anything else. So if you've never asked Jesus to be your strength, if you've never asked Jesus to be your guide, if you've never surrendered your life to him and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you even when it's hard, even when I feel like I'm in control, even though I think I need this and think I deserve this, we have the opportunity to do that right now. So here's what I'd like for us to do. Just everybody bow your head right where you're at. Close your eyes, and if you've never done this, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, just repeat this prayer, like in your heart, just you know, silently to yourself. Here's what you can say: Dear Jesus, I need you. I know that you are strong. I know that I am weak, and apart from you, I can do nothing. Help me live my life as you guide me. I surrender my life, and I surrender my heart. And I surrender control to you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, you can go ahead and look up. Even if you didn't, you can go ahead and look up. But if you prayed that prayer, I just want to say, I want to know. Let us know. I mean, the Ridge wants to journey with you, support you. We want to love you. You're not alone. And some of the strength that we're talking about from God is the strength that comes from the community of people who also follow Jesus. That's called the church. It's an amazing thing. And so after our time together today, you know, come up, say hello, you know, talk to somebody, make sure that you tell somebody so we can talk about next steps. Now, I wanna say something. Now, maybe you've believed in Jesus for a long time. That's me, by the way. Little kid, grew up in church. Maybe you've believed in Jesus for a long time and you're tuning out, you know? You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I need Jesus, cross is great, rah, rah, rah. And you're like, God is in control. See, there are many of us who believe in Jesus who are still working in our own strength. See, we still think that we need to be strong. See, today, if that's you, if you're tired... If you're tired of trying to keep up, if you're tired of trying to be enough, if you're trying to figure it out, if you're weary, if you're confused, if you're annoyed, if you're depressed, if you're anxious and you don't know what to go, you don't have time, you, you don't have the will, you don't have the know-how, you just don't have the strength and you still think that you're in control, that you know that you're not in control. See, let's pray together right now to the most powerful, the most intelligent, the most trustworthy God. Let's pray together that God will be your strength when you are weak, which is most of the time. And any strength that we have is from him in the first place. And we can rely on him. See, God wants us to be weak because he wants to make us strong. And when we're strong without him, we push God out of the way. And we go, I don't need you. I need myself. I don't deserve the grace that you want to give me because I can do that myself because I think I'm in control. See, the entire book of Judges is actually about Jesus. His name's not mentioned, but the entire book points directly to our need for God, our need for Jesus. So this applies to all of us, and we do it in our own strength. So right now, no matter where you're at, if you're fighting a battle, if you feel like you're struggling, if you feel like you're strong, you feel like you're weak, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that even though we think we know what we need and even though we think we are in control and we deserve this and that, that you provide what we actually need, which is Jesus, and you don't give us what we deserve, which is the cross, and that since you're in control, you love us so perfectly right where you are and you want us to rely on you. You're already here. You were with Samson the whole time. Be with us we need you and thank you for the hope that comes from surrendering to you that no matter what we have going on no matter what's going on in our head our heart our soul no matter what we do that you give us this opportunity to surrender to you to rely on you because you're the author you are the one who keeps hope in front of us You are the one who loves us. You are the one that brings joy. You are the one that brings peace. Help us keep our eyes focused on you today, God. Because of Jesus, because of the cross and what you've done to conquer death as he walked out of the grave, I'm just so grateful for your hope and that you keep hope alive in us. Because we rely on you, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.